Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, have you ever thought back to what it was like to be a child again and to live life with little to no pressures and responsibilities? Ah, those were the days, weren't they? And I guess we lived in a in a blissful, stress-free state of mind. And then I guess as we gradually grew up and advanced to the next grade at school or year level, we soon started to experience increased pressures of homework, assignments and exams. Now, generally, the first experience and exposure children have to stress and pressure in their lives generally is through schooling and the advancements of their education levels. So when managed effectively, you know, we can actually help reduce their exposure to different levels of stress and anxiety. So to help you learn how you can do this with your children, we welcome our special guest, Hayden McAvoy, CEO and founder of A-Team Tuition. They are Australia's leading tutoring company with over 270,000 hours of tutoring, which is just incredible. Now, um, their vision is to provide every student the opportunity to succeed in school through educating them in the most effective way for them to learn. Thank you for joining us, Hayden. How are you doing? No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing great. Looking awesome. Forward to it. Yeah. You've got... And a really amazing story, I understand, that you were diagnosed with ADHD and you actually did quite poorly in school up until about year 10. And it was then that you discovered um, that education is all about strategy. So can you maybe just tell us a little bit more about this philosophy? Because I find it fascinating. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Well, my whole business was really started off uh, my own story. Like, uh, Like you said, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in grade one and you know, as someone in grade one in 1996, ADHD wasn't really considered a thing. You know, it was kind of like an excuse for a naughty kid. And so those first nine years of schooling, you know, I was constantly, um, most of the teachers I had, I had a couple of amazing teachers, but most of the teachers just saw me as a bad kid that put me up the back, you know, ignored me, you know, pretty much the less they could have to do with me. You were that kid. You were that kid. I was that kid. Yeah. And it it wasn't because I was bad, you know, it's because I was bored. And so I started developing this belief of myself from a young age that I was a bad kid and that I was different and that, you know, that over time started shifting my beliefs, which made me try less at school. I was like, why should I try? Why should I put in the effort? Like a you know, negative I'm just going to get a anyway. Exactly. It just got worse and worse and worse. And so by the time I had reached year eight, um, I had quite a fixed mindset that success was only for the people that won the lottery, you know, the people that were born smart, born talented, born that way. And every single year I'd get my report card and I had the most incredible mum. My mum is like one of the most well-known psychologists um, in Queensland. Her name's Jenny McAvoy and she's been running a practice for 25 years. And and so she was always there supporting me and she was the hero that pretty much um, led my life and led it to where it is. But, you know, I'd come back every report card and mum, you know, and then the school would go, you know, Hayden needs to focus more, Hayden needs to try harder. They'd always tell me what to do and why I need to do it. You know, you need to do it because it's the right thing to do. You get the right grades. But no one ever told me the how. And that was the thing was um, I actually started doing swimming when I was in nine. Mum was like, wow, we've got to burn some of his energy because ADD, I had higher levels of stress and anxiety because my brain was thinking faster. I had more things going on because 
um, I notice more as an ADD person. You hear every sound, every bit of light, every moment. Right. And so I started swimming and um, I was fortunate enough to be training next to Grant Hackett, who is the oh. multiple Olympic medalist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was in the in the pool next <laughs> to him and his coach actually approached us and he chose three boys and three girls to come into their into the senior squad um, to train for the nationals. And at this point, I was ranked um, fifth, fourth, fifth at the school carnival. And the other two boys that got picked were national champions for butterfly and freestyle. And so I had no idea why I got chosen, which only further added to my, you know, beliefs of, of, of inadequacy and, and stress and anxiety. But, you know, from straight from the start, the coach sat down and went into the how. You know, it was the first time in my life someone didn't just tell me what to do. He didn't go, you need to do this, you need to do this. They sat down and said, all right, to be, he was all about character development and becoming successful. And, and you know, I spent time with Grant Hackett. I, you know, the first time I met him, I had a crooked hat on, 13-year-old, thought it was cool. He walked up and straightened my hat and never again right. did I have a crooked hat again. Um, but I got to watch him and I realized that, you know, he was human. He was like everyone else and he was like my idol. Um, he just trained harder and was more committed and the way he did his gym, the way he did his sessions was so different to everyone. And so the coach sat down and said, this is how we do gym. This is your recovery. This is how often we train. Everything was structured. Um, and so over the next year, I put it into place and, and went from fifth in the school swimming carnival to winning six silver medals and nationals uh, for my age. Get out of town. Remember, That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was incredible. And I remember the first time I got that silver when I, in the 100 butterfly, um, I was ranked 10th going into the final, just stoked me in the final. And something just changed in me. I just went, you know what, I'm just going to have a crack. I've trained harder than everyone else here because, once again, because I was a bit naughty, I was always doing punishment butterfly sets. <laughs> so I'd gotten pretty fit at butterfly. And I remember just going out as hard as I could in the first 50 and I touched and I looked down the side of the pool and I was I was tying in first. And I was like, wow, what? I, I've never, ever had I been in that position, even in local meets, let alone a national meet. And um, I ended up holding on and getting second. And that moment there changed my life because for the first time in my life, that belief of you're a bad person, you'll never do well, you can't do it, you know, you got ADHD. Um, that belief of that only successful people are born that way was shattered. And I went, wow, like I just went from fifth in the school swimming carnival, you know, arguably last when I was in year four, I was terrible when I was really young, to the second fastest 14-year-old in Australia. Um, and it changed my life. And I so I went back and started questioning everything. I looked at my school and I went, well, why should I be getting Ds and Cs, you know? I'm not dumb. I, I, I'm. I, I felt like I was. I was at least average intelligence. Um, and so I, I did the same thing. I went on this mission to find the how. You know, I was like, I need to find the how. So I stopped hanging out with the kids who, you know, were getting me in trouble. And I actually became best friends with the ducks in my grade, who later ducks it in year twelve. And, um, you know, her name was Lauren. And, um, I started sitting next to her in all my chemistry classes and math classes, and and just like studying what she did and watching what she did and, and asking her for help. And she essentially tutored me. Um, as a mentor uh, for free in a lot of those classes without realizing it and so as I started improving and my teachers saw me moving up the front and doing you know doing homework and showing it off they started getting on board too and I and they started praising me so I really wanted to impress them and I would just do pages of pages of studying and I would show them every class and and finally for the first time in my whole schooling I had teachers that believed in me um, and it just began this positive loop and it just went more powerful more powerful more. and then by the time I was in year 10 in term three. So about a year and a bit later, um, I got my first straight A report card in chemistry, physics, biology, maths, English, all the big subjects. And I remember getting up and um, I'd won an academic award and the director of studies um, announced my name last. So they announced the, the 10 kids that won it. And then when they announced my name, the whole grade laughed because they thought it was a joke. They thought, there's no way this guy's done that, you know, and, and 
and he stopped them. And I still remember this. He stopped them and he was like, shush, no, don't be rude. He actually did this. Um, you know, he's put in the work and I just got this amazing um, reassurance from, from the school and my teachers and, and everyone claps me in the end. Um, and so from that moment onwards, thanks so much. Well, at that moment onwards, I, my, I threw away every belief I had, every um, prior concept and, um, and just term by term tweaked it and, and ended up graduating on straight A's. And, and that's why I started ATM Tuition because I wanted to create that same moment for as many students in around Australia as I could. When I left school, I started tutoring because I, I, I wanted to teach other kids and do that. And I just found student after student after student that was the exact same as me that had been beaten down by the system, written off by teachers, written off by, you know, everybody in that system. And um, and I had my first student, Bianca, and I remember she was on D's and she she wouldn't even she wouldn't even approach the B-level questions in her maths because she's like, I'm not a B student. That's not me. I got told by my teacher just to focus on the C stuff and to put all my effort so into I'm that. So believing it, yeah. Um, I'm going, are you serious? Like, <laughs> how are you meant to grow if if you're limiting yourself for a C? If you're aiming for a C, you know, and you're either going to get the C or you're going to fail. If you're aiming for an A and you do the work, like, you're at least going to get a B or C. Your range of options of, of doing better are so much more. And and I spent so much time with her just focusing on the way she went about school. I brought out my old study strategies because I I called it the study pyramid. And I built this pyramid of what I would do in class, what I would do at home, what I would do before the exam. And and I taught her that. And um, that program, you know, 10 years later is now taught in Australian boarding schools all across the country as like the recommended um, metacognitive or, or um, executive learning strategy program. And so Bianca, her long story went, you know, she went from D's to A's straight away and then um, and literally within a term and just blew my mind how quickly, you know, she improved. And and then I, by the end of that year, I was tutoring 16 girls in the same subject, same grade, because all the friends had been talking. Um, and we got them, every single one of them got to A's by the end of that year. And A-Team really began the year after that because over those Christmas holidays, I had 250 families call me up. Like my mobile was going nuts all Christmas going, we heard you're the A guy. We, you know, so-and-so has told us about you. And so I kicked into gear and spent the next six months um, hiring tutors that were smarter than me and teaching them my program. And, and a lot of them already did that and didn't realize that they had a process and a method that worked. Like they were successful, but they didn't know how they were successful. They'd just been that way forever. Um, and now, you know, 10 years later, we've got 300 tutors across the country now giving that moment. Um, and to date, we've done that to 15,000 students, um, which Mate, is just so incredible. What a story. What a story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And there's so much to take and to learn from that from anyone watching and listening that it doesn't matter sort of where you're at and where your child is at at the moment, that it's only just a preconceived idea of, of where you're yeah you're at and it's all about having and enlisting the right people around you um to act as your support network um to be able to to formulate um a, a study strategy uh, and to see how you transformed your life going from d's to a's but it's not just about that you've actually really almost rewired your brain into into a different thought pattern as to who you are and what your capabilities are and it does an absolute living proof that with the with the right uh, support network um, and and the right strategy that you can actually do incredible things. It's really incredible. So congratulations. Thank you so much for, for sharing that story. And it's my understanding that you believe that any student can succeed academically with the right yeah. mindset strategies and support, which really tells me that any child has the opportunity to be anything they put their mind to. So when done correctly, really tutoring 
has the power to change the life of a student and it's it's really transformational um, for their lives and their futures as as it was for yours um, so so it seems as well so now you've mentioned before that tutoring when done correctly um, as well um, can sort of help um, build confidence and and sort of I wanted to sort of touch on the, the subject of emotional barriers. So what are the emotional barriers to learning? Um, is, is that just the psychology of believing what people say, as you're saying earlier on before, that if someone believes, well, I'm, I'm actually not that great at math, I'm not that great at what have you, and then they tell themselves that story. Is that what an, um, an emotional barrier to learning is? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, the, the biggest thing I've seen in, in, in schools as well, there's a huge trend right now of growth mindset and resilience. Um, and this is very, very new. Like I've only seen this in the last two or three years. And I think Education Australia has identified that there's, an, uh, there's a fundamental fixed mindset in society when it comes to school, which is the same mindset I had that you can only do well if you're smart. You can only do well if you're at that level. And so there's this really cool transition happening but we won't see those effects for 10 years until those kids have come all the way through like there's a book called the resilience project absolutely incredible talks all about that but essentially when we get to the actual learning process um when atar came out in queensland um i'm going to use that as an example they atar is underpinned by a model called the taxonomy of educational objectives by robert mazzano and what that is it's just it's the breakdown of how students actually learn psychologically so Students go through six steps when they're learning every when they're learning um, in order, and the there's there's really three steps because the bottom four steps are the different types of learning, knowledge and comprehension, and, and those sort of um, applying knowledge. But what they found was that the first thing students do when learning anything is they ask two questions, and they need a yes from both of these questions to proceed on the learning process. They go, "Do I have the ability to learn this?" If it's a no, they instantly switch off. If it's a yes, they move forward. The next question is, do I need to learn this? Is it important? Is it worthwhile learning? If it's a no, they switch over to yes, they move forward. Then once they're at that point, they're mentally ready to learn. So, And that's where confidence and mindset comes from because do I have the ability, is confidence, and motivation and mindset is it's important to learn this. So then they move into the next stage, which is called metacognitive um, learning, which is the whole or metacognitive strategy, meta meaning above and cognitive meaning to think. So it's really how do you think about your thinking, which is how do we learn and this is the biggest trend that we've been able to um, be involved in Australian schools is because it's all about how to study, how to do it. It's the how that I was talking about before. It's the how to be a successful student. Then once they have that, they move into the learning process, which is the core curriculum of Australia um, that's across all the schools. So this is where that psychological barrier is so, so key. And it's so hard to do in a school setting because you have 30 kids from all different backgrounds. Whereas, and this is why I've fallen in love with tutoring because Tutoring is so powerful because you can go one-to-one with a student, understand them and work on just their confidence and their motivation. Um, and you can interchange tutoring with mentoring. Like, I have a mentor that helps me, um, who's way, far more successful than me, that helps me run and grow the business. I had a mentor in swimming. I had a mentor in school. All we've tried to do is create a mentor for students. It's just with students, with kids, their entire life is school. That's their job. And so at that point in their life, tutoring around the academia is the best way to teach these lessons. But the same lessons they learn there can be learnt and applied into sport, into business, into relationships, into employment, into every area of life. And that's why I've fallen in love with um, the strategy mindset or the, the formula mindset support and strategy, those three things. We know when they come together, we get transformation. You know, the mindset is that motivation piece. The support is that confidence piece. And the strategy is the metacognitive and the curriculum 
specifically for that student. Hopefully that I, I could go on all yep. day about this. Yeah, <laughs> so the strategy really just helps kids reach their full potential in all aspects of their life. It's not just education overall, which yep. is just... You can have a strategy in any part of life, in sport, in, you know, with me, my swimming strategy was very specific to my races. Um, mm. You know, you can have a strategy in relationships. Yes, um, I know with course, my fiance, I'm aspects. always, yeah, in all aspects, yeah. Now, um, we published your article titled uh, Childhood Stress and Anxiety Management, um, which obviously is at the other end of the spectrum when the child doesn't have this, the support, doesn't have the strategy in place yet. So for someone who hasn't read your article uh, yet, can you please tell us what the article is about and, of course, just what inspired you to write it? Yeah, of course. Well, the article is purely about that, like how stress and anxiety affects children, and it looks into different forms of it. So it looks into positive and negative stress, what the difference is, um, how to utilise it. It looks into what are the causes of burnout. Um, it looks into how to look at failure through a different lens. Um, so it's a, it's a really good... I guess, psychological summary of the um, mindset pieces that, is, that that's important to a student or to a child going through school. Now, you mentioned that it's important when it comes to supporting kids in their studies to make the dis- uh, distinction between positive and negative stress and normal and excessive overload. Um, and you mentioned that normal overload is a good thing and it often um, evokes a positive form of stress related to the need to complete a, a set work and study. So as a question initially, is there such a thing as good stress? And if so, could you please ex- explain the concept of uh, failing up- upwards? Yeah, of course. So Positive stress is that anxiety that, or I wouldn't call it anxiety, it's the stress or the energy that you get inside of you that gets you to lift. So it's knowing, you know, an exam due date's coming up and, and getting ready for it and it's what drives you to study versus doing nothing. Negative anxiety is when um, you start feeling that you're overwhelmed, you don't have the tools to do the job, you don't believe you have the ability to do the job, and this goes back to that whole mindset piece, is um, underconfidence and, and a lack of motivation can really drive that negative anxiety. Um, negative anxiety can also be driven from experience. Well, it is. It's created from experiences we have. So, so there's a fundamental, um, I guess, model. I don't remember exactly the name of the person that's came up with it, but essentially, human beings, the experiences we have in life, shape the beliefs that we have about the world around us, and those beliefs shape the actions that we take, and those actions that we take shape the results that we get, and then those results then recreate a new experience, and it can become either a really positive flywheel or really negative. So. Positive stress is when a student is has a positive experience, like they um, achieve the grade that they want. So then next time they go, all right, well, I believe I can do this. So I'm going to put more work in. I'm going to work harder and they get the grade and it keeps going. A negative experience is like what I had when I had teachers. Um, I had one specific teacher who told me that, and I kid you not, that, um, that I was dumb and that the only thing that I was worth doing was swimming up and down a black line. And so that experience actually shaped a belief in me that I was like, well, wow, obviously I was like fighting it and angry at it, but there's always a part of you as a kid that believes that because they're older, they're a teacher, they're, they have authority. So then in his class, I said, oh, why bother trying? I started taking less effort, doing, you know, doing less work. I didn't do the work. I didn't other subjects. And then I started getting poor grades, which would then create negative stress and anxiety. And then I started believing that and going, oh, maybe I am bad at this. And, and it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense. So positive stress is really um, that's what you, that's where you want to get to. And and as as kids, like we want like life is stressful. We have responsibilities, and we need to be able to handle that. And the school journey and and parenting our kids, we need to be able to 
slowly introduce them to a workload that increases um, because once you leave school, then you have to get a job, you have to pay bills, you have to, you know, then you've got a marriage and your kids and life is the responsibility continually grows. And so we, and that's where this concept of, um, of workload comes in is you want to make sure that they have a workload and, and that workload is going to be different for different students, but they need to feel that they have the tools to do the job and the ability to do the job. And then they'll continually succeed and build that workload as they go. But there's an interesting trend um, with overworking and overworkload where, you know, you can build the workload, but then it hits a certain point where it falls off a cliff. Um, and I know that in the workforce with, with human beings, adults, it's around 60 hours of work in a week, all of a sudden productivity and efficiency drops. And then all of a sudden we get worn out and burnt out and, you know, we lose our flame and we start getting sick and we start feeling, you know, we start getting run down. And so it's about, as a parent, working out, um, it, understanding that stress is a good thing if it's in the right direction, if they're supported and if you're, you know, you're there on that journey, but being mindful that they're not, you're looking for those symptoms of are they, are they getting sick all the time? Are they yeah. overtired? You know, looking for those things. And then if they are working with them and not fixing it for them, but mentoring them to help them fix it themselves so they learn to self-regulate. Yeah, so you've highlighted that normal overload is a good thing and I guess sounds like can be quite motivating and produces really the highest quality work for kids. But what I'm hearing, tell me if this is right, that excessive overload on the contrary is the opposite when I guess a child is probably stretching themselves too thin in terms of their academic um, and also taking maybe maybe too many hobbies and um, activities outside of school as well. Is, is, that, is that what you're saying? And, and if that's the case, I mean, how would a parent know if the child is experiencing excessive overload then? Yeah, of course. Um, that's exactly the case. Excessive overload is, you know, a lot of the time you can see it. Um, it manifests through sickness, the rundown, um, demotivation, you know, there's, there's pillars as well. Like when, when your social balance is out of whack, your exercise, your spending time with family, friends, when that goes out of whack, when you don't physically have enough time to actually do the job or you don't physically feel you have the ability to do the job. So lack of time, lack of ability and lack of balance are the three things that cause overload. And so every, every single kid will have a different level of overload. Like I've, you know, when we talk about Grant Hackett, you know, the guy was a machine. He could work into a few enormous amounts, but he also built that over many, many, many years. Um, and, yeah, I guess as a parent, you just want to look at those things. Uh, are they still getting the balance? Are they still getting the exercise, nutrition, their social time? You know, do they have the ability to do the job or is this too far beyond them? Um, or do, they, do we need to put some steps in between it before they get to that stage? Or And do they have enough time? Are they too jam-packed with extracurriculars? Are they doing 10 different sports and music and choir and everything as well as school? Yeah. You know, it's finding that right balance. Well, it does make total sense that overloading, you know, the children's schedules inevitably is going to result in their emotional and physical exhaustion um, and eventually reducing, I guess, the quality of their schoolwork and studies, of course. And if anything, it's just going to put more stress on their shoulders, don't you think, as well, um, yeah. overall? <laughs> and and overwork can be dangerous because it can create, um, well, it, it leads to failure inevitably and then it, it diminishes the flame to try more and more and more. And, and so long-term, it does just... Yeah, physically, emotionally, mentally um, can really, if it's left. And I see this sometimes with really pushy parents that, you know, want their kid to do the best and they have them doing 50 million things and the kids are not coping. Yeah. Um, you're better off doing one or two things brilliantly than being the jack of all trades and doing 50 things but being average of them all. 
Now, talking about stress um, and anxiety and some strategies, what are some strategies that can help students to cope with stress and anxiety? Um, in the article, you list some great tips starting. Um, the first the first point is starting with the basics. Um, and you mentioned, for example, just to start eating healthy food and ensuring uh, no exposure to harmful substances. Um, of course, getting enough rest, sleep and downtime and also practicing mindfulness can help um obviously adapt um, sort of just their a really great sort of formulation and, and and base for a strategy. Could you maybe just expand on this a little bit for us now? Yeah, well, that exactly. Well, that that's as parents, like the balance that I said before in terms of the, the workload and the exercise and the nutrition and the social life is a key one as well, making sure that they're developing social and spending time with people. Um, managing the right people balance. too, right? The right people, because 100%. you mentioned earlier yep. on, I heard that you said that you made a choice and you could see the distinct difference between hanging out with the right. I mean, they say that you're the sum of the, the five five people you spend the most time yep. with. So you changed your own trajectory by saying, I don't want to hang out with those kids. I want to hang, hang around that, that, that girl who, who ended up being the ducks at the school. So it's also about not just the hours in their social time, but who are they actually exposed to? Is that right? hundred percent. Yeah. It's culture. That's why culture is the number one thing in businesses and families and organization that you're exactly right. The people you spend time with you become, and there's a fundamental science to it. Uh, we have mirror neurons in the front of our brain that constantly mirror everything around us. So we're social human beings and those mirror neurons do exactly that because essentially people get along with people like them. And so when you spend enough time with people who have a really negative mindset or you know, really down, you actually start becoming like that. And with enough time, it can actually start changing your DNA and the way yeah. that you, you're being built. And so spending time with the right people is, is critical. And as a parent, you've just got to look at, is the friends that they're with, um, you know, adding or expanding or challenging them with what they're doing, or is it detracting it? And I know yes. my mom was really specific. Um, I had one specific friend growing up that, you know, was really getting into the wrong stuff. And um, I remember at 14, she was like, you're not allowed to hang out with him. And I was so angry and I was so frustrated. Um, but years later, he ended up going, you know, right into drugs and was in rehab and homeless for a while before coming back. And, and you know, that was one of the, I, I 100% as a kid with ADD, am so thankful to her now as now looking back because, you know, I would have been way off track. Um, I, and, and there's a good chance I would have got dragged into all that as well because that was mm. just who I was. Um, and so as a parent, being, not feeling guilty about doing that um and putting boundaries up you know with who the right people are to spend time with yeah i wanted to ask also you mentioned something called maladaptive thinking patterns and you mentioned that we only get stressed out if we believe our thoughts and all stress sort of comes from stressful thinking so can you maybe just expand on this just briefly for a moment too yeah of course so this is coming back to that model of the experiences create our beliefs create our thoughts create our actions so at some point, if you're in a negative mindset, you have to shift that. Um, so the, the, the way to do that is as a parent, you, if you come in and just tell them what to do at the action level, you know, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, you might get a slight change, but then as soon as you're not there, they're going to go back to what their beliefs are. So if you really want to reshape their thoughts and their actions and their thinking patterns, you need to think about as a parent, how do I create an experience that will actually shatter the beliefs they have before and create new experiences? And this comes back to exactly what underpins a team is we look for people. First of all, the first question we ask tutors when they get a job is, do you believe every single student in Australia can achieve A grades with the right, you know, um, and, and if they say no, they immediately don't go keep going in the interview because it all starts with belief, having someone come in that believes in them, that, that triggers that. 
Um, there's other ways to do it, you know, using different mentors that you might know in the family, even as a parent, um, thinking of various ways that you can create an experience that changes that belief. Um, just spending time next to Grand Hackett did that for me as well. You know, just being in that squad and that culture, maybe it's finding a, a, a sports social club that has that culture um, where they can be surrounded by other successful people that, you know, can change that, if that makes sense. Yes, something um, to aspire to and push to as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, how can we also stop children from getting just overwhelmed by the unknown? Is it really just about setting realistic goals and having plans in place and, and having and providing an opportunity for a strategy to help them yeah, stop getting of, overwhelmed? Yeah, a lot of it. So there's two things I recommend. A lot of it is planning. Everything comes down to planning at the end of the day. When there's a plan, anxiety and stress diminishes because people trust the plan and, and that's yes. what they do. So one of the things we do with every single student that every parent listening to this can can do and, and you know I recommend doing with your kid every term is doing something called an ABCD plan. So you get a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, and you ask yourself four questions. You go, A, um, what am I currently at? What's my grade or what's my time if it's swimming or a sport? Like where, what's my current performance? B, what do I want to achieve? And being super clear and specific with a time frame something that can be measurable. You know, I want to go from a B to an A grade in maths yep. by yep. the end of the term. See, what events need to occur for me to do that? Well, I need to go to every class. I need to build a better relationship with my teacher. I need to study more. I need to do more practice questions. I might need to get a math tutor. And then D, what is a weekly scorecard that you can tick off every week? You know, five things. You know, I went to every class. I did 50 correctly answered questions. I did one hour of study. I did two hours of math tutoring. And they can literally sit there and tick them off every single week. And that's all they have to focus on, those five things, because they know if they do those five things, they're on that journey to achieving that goal. And you can yeah. do that ABCD plan in anything in life. So it's all about taking baby steps, I'm hearing. And so yep. helping them, I guess, become less overwhelmed um, as opposed to looking at the bigger picture as well. Is that the right, right, right way to look at it maybe? 100%. And then when we talk about, there's a number of students that have underpinning stress and anxiety. Um, and there's probably parents listening to this that have that as well, where the student does a lot of study, does a lot of work, but then they still go into an exam and they might blank or they, yeah. or they might run out of time. And, <laughs> and what actually happens there is stress, um, especially leading into an exam, if we look at the science of it, large amounts of stress releases cortisol and adrenaline-like hormones that when they literally bind to the prefrontal cortex in the brain. So what that does, it blocks the logical center of the brain. So you sit in this exam and you can't think. You're like, oh, I've forgotten everything. And then the emotional centers are heightened. We've all been there. Yep. All experienced yep. it at some point. Definitely. And so that's where blanking comes from. And it's not till the body flushes out those, you know, those those, those um, hormones that you can start thinking straight again. But by then you've lost 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're 15 minutes late for the, for, to finish the test. So what um and that used to happen to me all the time um and so how I combat that now and how I combat it at school was I learned as I on the Australian swim team um that when you go on the day of a race every single like minute from when you wake up to when you race is planned you know in the first five minutes you you get up you have a shower then you brush your teeth and you have breakfast you know when you get to the pool you do this 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 and that always led me um like gave confidence in me it meant when I got on that day of the race when I was nervous and my core beliefs were there we were freaking out and you know, I didn't think I could do it. I would just literally focus on the plan and doing what's right in front of me. And so I started applying that to my school. So I would like write a plan of everything I would do from the morning, from when I wake up at 5 a.m., then I would have what I would have for breakfast, when I would leave for school, when I would get there. I'd even do like a warm up for my for my exam. I'd, an hour out, I would do a warm up, which meant 
I read through all my notes, I practiced some questions. I deliberately wouldn't go and speak to kids because a lot of the kids before the exam would go, oh, did you study this? Did you study this? Did you study and this? Start and start yeah. I'd be like, what are you talking negative about? negative rhetoric in your head, yeah. So, so I'd get in my own place and focus on my own game. And um, and since I started doing that, I never blanked again in another exam. So look, if, if a parent sort of feels like their, their child feels like they've failed in some way, I mean, how can parents help them to reframe situations and see that as an opportunity to to grow and learn from as well? Because um, I've, I've read and I've lo- I loved your say, saying, quoting you, failure is really the only opportunity to begin again more wisely. So I'd just love you to just really briefly touch on that topic as well. Definitely. Well, you can't succeed without failure. They go hand in hand. They're a dichotomy. So I changed the word failure to error. You know, I like trial I and like error. I like that. So we we trial something. Oh, we didn't get that. was an error. All right, let's try again. Let's try again. And the best way to do it is kids are experts at them. Look at them when they play their PS4s and their Xboxes. How many times do they die in those games before they finally actually win the level? So true. You know, and, and that's what life is. And this is why gaming isn't such a bad thing for kids because they learn those lessons as long as you can align that. You know, if every kid gave up the first time they died in a game, they'd never finish them. And so they're learning through this world that they can do that, but they just have to learn that, you know, and this is the parent can, can teach them this. It's applying that into their life. You know, I didn't go from D's days overnight. I went from, you know, I aimed for A's every term, but I went from D's to C's to C pluses, back to C's to then B's and then back to C pluses again before I finally got there. I had to keep trialing and things until I finally did Resilience, it. keep pushing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's all about promoting that message. And along with dealing with stress and anxiety, I mean, how else can you can a parent sort of set their child up for success in school as well? The biggest thing that I'll I'll talk about because, and this is probably my biggest advice um, mm-hmm. that my mum did phenomenally, is so many parents, um, without realising it, encourage their students the wrong way or their kids the wrong way. I'm so used to saying students from my business. Um, so they might go, you know, they keep might do well in something. They go, you're a natural, you're brilliant at it, well done, you know, you're the best. Um, so then that what that tells the kid is, oh, I'm a natural at it. You know, so they don't learn the how. And so when then when they're struggling and they're not doing well, they think, well, I'm not a natural at it, I may as well give up. And they go to the next thing. And you see these kids hopping from gymnastics to running to swimming to school to music because they don't stick to anything because they're not a natural at it. What the best parents do, or the most successful parents, I'll say, not the best parents in this field, is um, they promote the effort, not the outcome. So they'll go, you know, my mom did this to me. She, you know, no matter what grades I got, I would get a B grade. She would go, awesome job. You put so much effort in. I'm so proud of you. You studied every single night. You put all these questions. And she would constantly praise the effort and the process. I remember one time um, even winning a silver medal at nationals when I was 15, but I had slacked off in training. And she was, you know, I was stoked because I got silver. And, and she's like, you know, you didn't put in the effort. You could have won gold. Imagine if you had trained hard. Imagine if you had done more work. Like, what could you have done? Um, and she would ask the right questions that were always surrounded upon the process and the effort that was involved. So I learned, um, funny story, and when I was 16, I got sick of getting silvers at National. I had 22 of them, and I'd never won anything. And so um, I actually sat down and said, well, the way I'm going to win is I, I focus on the process. And I, I built this plan. I started training 30 times a week when other kids trained 10 when I left school. And I trained like crazy for six months. And I ended up dropping three seconds and and won a gold at the world title at the junior world titles as, a, as the fastest in the world um, at that point. And so I had learned that if I wanted to improve, I needed to look at the process. I never once thought, oh, well, I'll never get gold because you know I don't have the talent. I, I'd been trained to think of the process. And so that'd be my biggest piece of advice is have a look at how you're praising and what you're 
recommending and, and always bring it back to the process and the effort because you'll set them up for life. You'll give them the best gift. Um, they will always get rid of anxiety, always get rid of negative anxiety, negative stress because it, it gives it empowers them and gives them control again. Yes. Well, look, we've covered up on some really inspirational and insightful information today. If you were to summarise, I guess, all your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, anyone can achieve anything with the right mindset, strategy and support. It all starts with believe. And as parents, we need to believe in our kids no matter what. You know, They look up to us and if we tell them they can't do anything, they'll believe that. If you tell them they can and to focus on the process, you know, they will. And then that's probably the biggest thing I would take from this is, um, is, is as parents, our job is to believe in our kids, you know, because no one else will. If we don't, who else will? Yes. Now, if parents would like to understand more about, I guess, tutoring and what um, what you can offer and just the benefits and all of that good stuff, whereabouts can they find mm-hmm. you? Yeah, so we have tutors all across the country. Um, at the moment, we are in person all across the east coast of Australia and we're going to Perth um, next year and Canberra next year. Apart from that, we're in every other city. Um, if you want to find us, go online to www.ateamtuition.com or just literally search Ateam Tuition in Google and we'll come up. Um, we've got so much information on there. We've got success stories from some incredible um, students so you can hear their journey. Um, and you can read a bit more about, I guess, how we can help um, your child improve their confidence, their motivation, and ultimately their grade. Awesome. I've really enjoyed this chat today. Um, and no doubt it's been inspirational for everyone watching and listening. Also, um, just to understand that wherever you, you're at, you are as a person also. It's not. This is just not just for, for children, of course, because it, it's a mindset a strategy to apply to all aspects of life, no matter where you're at. But um, <laughs> That anyone can achieve whatever they put their mind to and it really is all about planning and having a strategy and anyone at any point in their life can rewire their brain to be able to succeed. So thank you so much for sharing your stories today um, and really hope to have the opportunity to chat to you again in the not-too-distant future. But until then, take care. Uh, we'll have all of those links in the show notes and uh, we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Hayden. Take care. Thank you for having me. Right, bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.